Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text for today is from Ephesians, the fifth chapter on marriage. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a mystery, profound. And I am saying, what I'm saying refers to Christ and the church. So let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Dear friends of Christ, last week I talked about a veil, the things that we veil in the church. And of course, we veil things because usually underneath the things that we veil, there's more than meets the eye. And in church, we veil brides, right? Because in marriage, there's more than meets the human eye. Something's going on in that union that human beings don't see. There's something going on in that union that human beings don't understand. They think it's two people that come together for a time, and if they want to part, they can part. But I have a strand. This is three, three strands. Two white, one red. Woven together as one thread, one, one rope. And of course, the white represents the husband and the wife, the red represents Jesus, the blood of Jesus that purifies and cleanses and establishes marriage and binds them together as one body. And the husband and wife come together as one body. Well, our text today talks about marriage. Now, we don't spend much time talking on marriage. That's why I'm taking this opportunity. And when we talk about marriage today, people are making marriage everything they want. God says marriage is between a male and a female. God says marriage is in that union, the husband is the head, and the wife submits to her husband, and the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and died for her. That's the role of the husband. And the world doesn't listen. They hear, but they're not doing. And sometimes that's the way it is in the church. We hear what God says about marriage, but we don't do. And you'll sit there in the pew and you'll give this sermon about a good Christian marriage and you'll listen to it, but are you going to be hearers of the Word and doers of the Word? Or in one ear and out the other without letting the Holy Spirit work in your hearts? Our text this morning talks about marriage. So we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about love, because our text talks about love. And not just any old love, it talks about agape love. Now, agape love, that's a sacrificial love. Agape love is the kind of love that we see from God the Father when He loved us by sending His Son into the world to die for our sins, right? That's agape love. It's a sacrificial love. So I guess if we could say, you know, how, how do I describe agape? It's sacrificial. Look at Jesus on the cross and you'll get it. Matter of fact, John 3, uh, 16 says, God so agape the world that he gave his only son. God agape this way. He died to save. 
Marriage is patterned after that. Marriage is patterned after the love that God has given you. It's patterned after agape, sacrificial love. It's how a husband and wife are to love each other. So often we don't see it because the husband hears one thing and does another. The wife hears one thing and then does another. And sometimes they don't even bother to hear what God says about the role, their role in marriage. So today I'm going to talk about marriage as we consider our theme, the three strands of marriage. Now, verse 21 gives us this command. It says, uh, let, us all, uh, let us all submit to one another. Let the husband and wife submit to each other and out of reverence for Christ. Um, that we all, and, and, and of course verse 21 says, we all submit to each other. Whether you're husband or wife or just... That's what we should be doing. That's a, that's a standard for a Christian. Submission. Now, that, that Greek word uh, for submit, you could translate it as obey. So when you, when you hear the word submit, I want you to hear the word obey. It's the same type of word that Jesus, that the Bible uses when, Jesus, when, the, when the Bible tells us that Jesus submitted to his parents' authority, that Jesus obeyed his, his parents' authority like we're supposed to do, all of you kids, in the fourth commandment, obey your parents. It's the same word. Submit to your parents. And husbands, submit to your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. People of God, submit to each other. This is a command for all of us. Not just a command for marriage. This is a command for all of God's people. Submit to your pastor, submit to your leader, submit to your teacher, submit to, your, to, the, to the police. Obey His commandments. Submit, obey, dirty words. Submit, obey. There are words that are offensive in our society. And you hear the word submit, and immediately the hair goes up on people's neck and their arms, and they say, Submit! I'm not going to submit to anybody, much less submit and obey God. Because the people are hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. Because God's word goes right in one ear and out the other. But Paul uses this word obey. In, in, in Romans chapter 13, he says, Christians obey the government. Submit to the government. So submitting is a core attitude of the Christian faith. Submitting obedience is a core behavior of the Christian faith. Now let's not talk about marriage. Let's forget about husband and wife for right now. Let's just talk about in general how we're supposed to behave among one another. And how do we behave? I don't see us behaving with this core attitude as much anymore. To agape each other. To make sacrifices for each other. To love, honor, serve, and obey and respect each other. Now, if this is true in general that we must submit to each other, then it's especially true in marriage. So I want us to consider the first white strand of marriage, the wife. The first white strand represents the wife. Wives, 
Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Do you know back in the 18th century, 16th century, wives would call their husbands Lord. Can you imagine that? You walk in the house. Oh Lord, I'm glad you're home. You know what Lord doesn't necessarily mean God, it means Master. Calling your husband the Lord of the household because you're honoring what God has set him up to be used to be the way that wives would receive their husbands. And somewhere along the line, that became offensive. Probably because at some point, the wives said, Lord. (laughs) Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. One body. One strand. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of his church, the body, and himself its Savior. So, this first biblical principle of marriage. Husbands and wives submit to each other, but especially, particularly in this instance, he's pointing to you wives. Submit to your husbands in all things. Christian wives. Christian wives, good Christian wives follow the direction of marriage when they obey and submit themselves to the direction of God's Word. However, God says something very offensive, doesn't He? To women of our modern years and days. He uses that word submit again. You know, I have couples come to me from premarital counseling and we go through the vows and I say, you're going to be saying that you will submit to your husband. And the the bride invariably says, I'm not saying those words in the wedding service. I won't use the word submit. I won't use the word obey. That will not happen to me in my marriage. I hear what God is saying, I'm just not willing to do it. And that's where we are in our world today. Wives, submit to your husbands to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. You know, marriage was established in the Garden of Eden. Marriage happened when God made Adam, and then from Adam's side, he created Eve. And when he created them, God created them both equal in the eyes of God. Do you know that? Men and women are equal in the eyes of God, but they have different roles. God gave you different roles to play. People have different roles. A teacher has a role. A teacher has a role of controlling her students. Because if she doesn't control her students, she can't teach her students. You find a teacher that can't control the classroom, I'll show you a classroom that's not learning. The role of the teacher is to control the But just because a teacher is in charge, and that's her role to control the children's behavior, does not mean that the teacher is better than the student. Because in God's eyes, they're all equal. They have just have different roles. The role of the student, of the teacher, is to teach and control the behavior of the classroom, and the role of the student is to stay quiet. Obey and honor his teacher, love his teacher, respect his teacher, agape his teacher, and then learn. 
People have different roles. The husband's role is head of the family. And husbands subjugate their roles. They don't want that role as head. And they subjugate it to their wives. No, you take care of the duty. But the husband's role is to be the main family guy. To get his family to pray at night. To get his family to study God's word at night. Gentlemen, that's your role. To get your family to church. To do personal Bible study so that you are the strong man of faith in the household. The one that your children can mentor and your children can follow and your wife can follow. That's what God's called you to. To be Jesus in the home. The husband's role is to represent Jesus to his wife. And that role is agape, sacrificial love. And yet husbands, they can hear about sacrifice, but doing it's another thing. However, his role as head does not mean that his wife is inferior. His role as head does not mean that he's the boss. As many think God's word says. If the husband's ahead, then the wife's inferior. If the husband's ahead, it means the husband's a boss. No, that's not what it's saying. All are equal. Different roles. And the husband's role is to play Jesus to his wife. And as Christ died serving the church, so the husband is to serve his wife, love his wife, honor his wife, sacrifice to his wife, so that he loves her and is even willing to die for her, if necessary. The wife's job? Respect the husband's role as head of the household. Christian husbands have a huge God-given responsibility. Gigantic. Most men today aren't living up to it. The Lord has commanded concerning the role of marriage. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church's body, and himself its Savior. Now, I want you to think what it means for Jesus to be the head of the church. By the way, what happens if the church loses the head? It's like a chicken with its head cut off. It runs around, bumps into things, but it doesn't know who it is. It doesn't know where it's going. You put the head back on the church. Now we know what marriage is. Now we know what marriage stands for. Now we know what marriage is about. Put the head back on the church. And think about Jesus, the head of the church. What does he do? If the, if, the, if, the, if the husband is the head of the marriage, the way Christ is the head of the church, how is Christ the head of the church? Does Jesus control you? Does Jesus belittle you? Does Jesus, as boss, make you do things that you don't want to do? No. As the head, what does Jesus do? He agapes the church. Sacrificial love. Not an easy act. Not, a different, not an easy role to play, gentlemen. The husband's role is to play Jesus to his wife. Huge responsibility. 
but not to make our wife feel inferior. So what's a poor wife supposed to do when her husband gets to the point where he just fails to fulfill his responsibility as Lord of the household? What's a Christian wife supposed to do? I assume probably take over the duties of leadership. But is that wise? What does God's Word say? He says, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, wise, that does not mean that you can never challenge your husband. We need to challenge our husbands. Wives need to communicate, to suggest ways to do things better. That's good. Because a good Christian husband who, who sacrifices for his wife will want to know, what ideas do you have, dear wife? What ideas do you have to make the household better? Because I am here to serve you. I am here to agape you. I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to obey you. I'm here to make you happy. Nonetheless, in his wisdom as head, the Jesus role in, in, the, in the corporation of family, he says, you know, in, in my wisdom, I think it's better that we do it this way. Jesus does that to you sometimes. You ask for one thing and Jesus says, nope, sorry, not going to give it to you. We're going to do things this way. Because he's the head of the church. We respect, we respect that in Jesus. We respect the role that Jesus plays in our lives as Christians. And as Christ's representative in marriage is the head, we respect that role. The husband will welcome the ideas of his, of his wife, but the husband cannot give up his position as head. It's a God-given directive. A good Christian wife will recognize this. A good Christian wife will respect the role that God has given her husband to play. Wives, that's the role God has given you. Respecting. Submitting. And respecting and obeying and submitting to your husband is not an easy thing to do. Because he doesn't deserve it. But you can't opt out of the responsibility. You can't say, honey, you know, you take over. I'm tired of honoring you today. I'm tired of submitting to you today, calling you Lord. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to fulfill my duties as wife. I'm tired of respecting you. I want to hang out with my, with my friends. I just need a break. From you. Such things don't work. And that's why God has bound us together as one with the blood of Jesus in the middle. Together with Christ as your head. The husband and wife make a good team. Together as Christ bound together in your relationship, husband and wife come together and it works properly. But it, look at the red strain. 
the red strand. It's necessary. Do you know why the red strand is necessary in marriage? Because there's not a single husband in the world that plays the role of Jesus perfectly in the marriage. I wouldn't say there are very few men in the world who play the role of Jesus well in their marriage. And so the blood of Jesus is very necessary because every Christian father, good Christian husband, is going to pray before the Lord at the end of the day, Dear Lord, I did not lead my family well today. Forgive me my sins. And every good Christian wife will find herself praying at the end of the day, Lord Jesus, forgive me for not respecting the role of my husband today, for submitting to him as head. Forgive me my sins. And with Jesus, there's always a red strand of forgiveness. There's always a red strand of grace. Now, I want us to consider the second strand, this other white strand, which is, of course, it represents the husband. A good Christian husband has many faults. And he's the first to admit he's failed in his role to lead the home. However, the good Christian husband will always be confident in the blood of Jesus to cleanse him from all his sin. He'll always be confident that the Lord has made him holy to do the job, as imperfect as he may be. Every good Christian husband wants to be a good head for his wife. Every good Christian husband wants to love his wife and serve his wife the way Christ has loved the church. God says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Gave himself up for her. Jesus gave himself up for the church. Gave himself up. It's a Greek word, to give up. It's the word, same word that... that the Bible uses when Jesus was handed over to his enemies. Romans 4.25 says, Jesus was delivered, given up for our offenses. He gave himself up. He sacrificed himself. Agape love. He did that so that we, his church, might be his bride. Get it? There's more to marriage than meets the eye. And Jesus sacrificed. Yes, right. The church is his bride. You are the, his bride, the church. And he gave himself up for you. And Paul ties that action into holy baptism in our text. He says that, that we are baptized, that we're cleansed by Jesus, that we're loved by Jesus. He gave himself up so that we, he might present the church, you, to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blameless. And, uh, holy and without blem- blemish. And so in marriage, you have three strands. Three strands, but one bond. It is what marriage is. The husband who respects, who loves his wife, the wife who respects her husband, and and Christ who submitted himself in obedience to the Father and gave himself up 
that it all might work. And in this bond relationship, this bond of relationship, forgiveness flows. Forgiveness flows from Jesus to the husband. Forgiveness flows from Jesus to the wife. Forgiveness flows from the wife to the husband. Forgiveness flows from the husband to the wife. Because we submit to one another out of all things. It's Christ agape love that makes us perfect and holy in God's sight. It forms that lasting bond of forgiveness. And in that marriage, the lasting bond of forgiveness is what makes marriage work too. Without forgiveness, a marriage fails. Three strands. The husband who loves and forgives his wife. The wife who loves and forgives her husband. And the Christ who loves and forgives the church. And it's in this bond of forgiveness that has enabled you, empowered you to be able to live new lives with each other. Then this new life includes husbands loving their wives as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say two people, just names out of the blue, Mac and Sue. They come into the, into the pastor's office for marriage counseling. And at the end of the session, the pastor asks Mac, you've got some problems, Mac, in your marriage, but Mac, would you be willing to die for, for Sue? And with tears in his eyes, he said he would. Turned to Sue and said, Sue, you've got some terrible problems in your marriage. You guys have been behaving poorly and you've separated. Would you be willing to die, Sue, for your husband, Mac? And with tears in her eyes, she said she would. And then the pastor turned to Mac and said, Mac, you're willing to die for Sue. Would you be willing to live for her? Then he turned to Sue and said, Sue, would you be willing to live for Mac? Husband, husbands, that's a role that God has given to you. Representing Jesus is a huge responsibility in that marriage. And husbands, you can't, cop out, you can't opt out of that responsibility. It is a command. You can't say, honey, you take over for a while. I'm tired of being the head. I'm tired of being Jesus in the relationship. I'm tired of taking that role. I don't want to serve you. I don't want to honor you. I'm resp- I don't want to be responsible for your faith. I don't want to make sacrifices anymore. I just want to hang out with my body, buddies. I want to hit the golf course. I want to be at the bar. I just want to do computers and games and watch TV and watch some football. No, God gives us directive. Love your wife as you love your own body. God's plan for marriage has been established from the very beginning. God said in Genesis, For this reason a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. A profound mystery. But the bride is veiled because there's more to marriage than meets the eye. And you remember what Adam said when he saw the gift that God gave him and his wife? Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. The two become one. United in agape. Braided together. Bound in Christ. One body. Amen. 
Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.